Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the founder and lead consultant for Troubling the Waters and the co-host of the Faith to Go podcast. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I am the director of formation for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And, and the other co-host. What? <laughs> what if I was the co-host and there was no other co-host? Then I'd just be the host. The Holy Spirit. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Wherever two or three are gathered, Jesus is the third co-host. Correct. I think that's from scripture. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, Boy, to... Heresy. Uh, no, definitely not heresy. It's called Midrash. It's like a... It's part of the tradition. You read a little bit in between the lines. Perfect. That's nice. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast. For this upcoming Sunday, we'll be talking about the gospel for this upcoming Sunday, October 1st, 2023. October. I'm excited. Wow. Proper 21 in year A. We're getting into Jerusalem, everyone. It's it's going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's happening. And we are like two months away from Advent, I think, you know? Wild. Yeah, just like, yeah, seven seven more, eight more uh, propers before, before the end of the ordinary time, season. But before we get into the gospel discussion, before we talk about anything about the Bible, we got to talk about the Bible of our lives. And that is where we see and feel God in the world. So, Charlotte, would you share a place where you did or did not feel God's presence in the world, a consolation or a desolation? Yes, and it occurred at like 5 a.m. in the morning. So a desolation. No. (laughs) Consolation. So as I may have mentioned before, I am an early riser. My morning practice is to get up and go for a long walk with my dogs and with my sister and her dogs. Mm -hmm. So two humans, four pooches. Mm -hmm. So we were walking down the street and we were nearing about halfway mark of the morning walk. And my sister says, because it's pretty dark still at 5 a.m., she goes, careful, there's a dog up ahead. Because like in the early morning, you don't always know like who's friendly, who's Mm -hmm. not friendly. So we tend to just like cross the street instead of like having a big hoopla amongst all of the pooches. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking and I'm like, that's not a dog. Oh. Mm -hmm. And she's like, it's not a dog? And I'm like, no, it's not a dog. And at that moment, the creature Mm -hmm. goes out into the road Mm -hmm. and I realize it is a really big raccoon. Whoa. Really big. Yeah. And not a normal occurrence for where I live. Mm -hmm. It is not, it is not very often that you see big raccoons where I live. Yeah. And so there's a car coming and I'm like, oh no, oh no. (laughs) And at that moment I see that the raccoon has two pups. Oh no. Mm Mm-hmm. And just so you know, raccoons chitter, I think that's the phrase for it, pretty loud. Yeah. And so the mom raccoon is chittering at the cubs, and the mom and one raccoon cub go to run off, and the other one is standing there, staring down the headlights. Oh, no. Mom goes back, grabs it by the scruff of the neck, and runs off the side of the road. Wow. My sister and I are frozen, <laughs> right? We're like, is this the animal kingdom? <laughs> like, I don't know what's going to happen right now. But, and my dogs are big. My sister has two little dogs, but my dogs are big. And so I'm holding both my dogs and watching all of this happen. And I'm afraid to move uh-huh. because I don't want to scare the raccoon and push her back out into the road yeah. when there's other cars that might be coming. Uh-huh. And so we're waiting. 
And finally, she starts to go. And again, one raccoon following and one not listening to mom. Uh-huh. And so she takes him by the neck and they're running down the road across the street and into like an alleyway across uh-huh. the way. And I'm watching them go. And it is at this moment that Jasper of uh-huh. podcast fame yeah. <laughs> has noticed what is happening. Oh, no. And all 80 pounds of him uh-huh. has now decided he wants to find out if that raccoon has a squeaker. <laughs> And so he is pulling me and uh-huh. I am pulling him and I am dragging them down the block behind me, like the opposite direction, uh-huh. because I don't want to deal with any of this. Yeah. And it finally ends. And my sister and I are like, I don't even know how this happened. And I certainly don't need coffee this morning <laughs> after this lived experience. Uh-huh. And you may be asking yourself where I saw God in this interaction. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> to hear? I'm, I believe you believe? 100%. It's God, is, God is there. It was in the surprise. Yeah. It was in the surprise of something happening so completely unexpected and outside mm-hmm. of the norm um, in a morning experience for me. Like yeah. it wasn't in the conversation. It wasn't in the traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in the revelation of something that just doesn't ever happen. Raccoon mm-hmm. sightings and certainly right. giant raccoon sightings do not happen in my little tiny mm-hmm. community. But also... Just this opportunity to feel awe mm-hmm. over like the whole experience mm-hmm. for me. It was a God sighting. Yeah. And there were tiny baby raccoons. There were. Yeah. And they were quite darling. Yeah. Wow. So many, so many ups and downs in the story. <laughs> so many emotions. It was a roller coaster. It really was. I was not expecting that. All right. Let's go. Let's all get our bearings. <laughs> the raccoon's okay. Everyone's fine. As far as I know, yes. Yeah. I thought at some point you were going to run out into the middle of the street and, and be save like, the raccoon. <laughs> raccoon family crossing. If I didn't have Jasper and Lily, I might have, but yeah, I point. had Jasper and yeah. Lily and that would not Frozen. have helped. It would yeah. not have helped. No, definitely not. Well, hey, if anybody else has a raccoon sighting, <laughs> God we'd sighting. love to. Oh, right. If everyone else has a raccoon sighting, we'd love to hear about that. Uh, any God sighting at all, really, whether it's a raccoon or any other animal or being or non-being, or something in the world. We'd love to know uh, where you're seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling, touching God in your life. Uh, you can share any of those uh, God sightings, consolations or desolations, where it's easy or hard uh, to feel God's presence in your life. Uh, with us, you can also share any of your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection. You can email us, faith to go at edsd.org. You can contact us uh, through Instagram by tagging us, direct messaging us on Instagram at faith to go. And make sure you follow the Instagram account for all the fun things that Greg puts up all the time. Mm. We are now going to transition to our gospel discussion again for Proper 21 in Year A. That's this upcoming Sunday, October 1st, 2023. The gospel is Matthew 21, verses 23 to 32. Charlotte's going to read it, and then I'll have a little bit of context and let you have a point. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say, of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. 
So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of these two did the will of his father? They said, The first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. All right. This is fun. Yes. Jesus. Uh, Jesus is in Jerusalem now. Uh, he he entered Jerusalem at the very first thing that happened in, in chapter 21. So last week we were in chapter 20, uh, in the very beginning of chapter 20. And then Jesus has now made his way, the triumphal entry happened. And then Jesus goes right to the temple and starts flipping over tables and yelling at people who are changing money and selling doves and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, he goes out of Jerusalem briefly and then comes back and then is going back into the temple. And so everybody's in Jerusalem for, for the Passover feast, right? So like Jerusalem is hopping right now. It's packed. And it says when, when Jesus enters Jerusalem that like everyone's kind of in a frenzy because like Jesus is here and like there's all these people that have heard about Jesus. And now it's just like it, the, the anxiety is high. You know, the energy is really high. It's like you're going to, it's like, it's like you're going to like, I don't know, Coachella or something. <laughs> totally Coachella. And it's like the celebrity just kind of like walks into the middle of this crowd. And like you can feel the like vibration of the energy and the anticipation, you know, like that's what, that's what Jerusalem is right now. And so it's also in the desert. So, I mean, it's kind of, it kind of is right. <laughs> I'm never going to think of it's this like, another way now. It's, always... <laughs> it's like if Beyonce just like showed up, just walk, started walking through the crowd, you know, and everybody's like, oh my gosh. That's what they're asking him about when they're saying, who gave you the authority to do these things? So when they're saying these things, they're pretty much saying, who, who, who gave you the authority to come in here and mess all our stuff up? Mm -hmm. It's not just, oh, who gave you the authority to say all these nice teachings that you're doing and heal people? It's like, who gave you the authority to come in here and tell us how to do our business? Mm-hmm. You know, So that's really what they're referring to. The thing that just happened is this big disruption. And Jesus is destabilizing their power in a lot of these different ways. And now it's come to kind of a crescendo and that you have all these people so hyped up about Jesus. And now he's out here very publicly messing around with their system, you know, and they don't like it. So that's what they're really asking. This isn't like a very kind, like, hey, Jesus, who gave you this authority? They're like, who do you think you are Uh that you can come in and do this kind of thing? Okay, so that's the tenor of this conversation, I'd say, for background and context. So, Charlotte's got the first point about this story about Beyonce. Yeah, well, and I love the fact, like, while you were talking, I was thinking about that it was almost like, fine, I will answer your question, but I have a riddle for you first. Right, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jesus is very strategic. He is, very much so. He knows what's up. 
So, but I was thinking about the riddle. I mean, the parable. I mm-hmm. mean, the teaching. Mm-hmm. All those things. Um, and so, in it, we get this. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. And so, and we have obviously the details about the second son that follow it. But I was thinking about the first son in particular, because there's very often times in our own lives when we are asked to do something that is either hard or uncomfortable And from that, and it's funny because even as I said that, I could feel it in my body. Like I could feel like my chest constrict thinking about it. Um, That when you are encountering something like that, where you are being challenged to do something that is hard or uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. that your instinct is to say no. Mm -hmm. Like it's too much, too hard, beyond my levels of capabilities. There's someone smarter, better equipped, all of those things, that conversation we have in our heads. And sometimes that works great and you can walk away from it um, and just move on with your life. But other times what it is that has been revealed to you after you have made your initial response of no is that you cannot look away from what the thing is and you feel compelled to action. And I think that that speaks to what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be a Christian, is that inability to look away from injustice in the world and to be inspired to take action. And there's people for whom that is central to their being. Um, and you know, we know people like that, people who, when the heartache and injustice of the world is lifted up, are immediately jumping in. And taking action and challenging others to take action along with them. And we know that there are people for whom it is a a longer road to their ability to take action on things. And that initially there may be fear and trepidation and all of those things before they're able, but they are ultimately able to be moved into responding to the pain of the world. And so that's one way of being. First son, my opinion. First son second son, Mm. the one who says, I will go and then does not, Mm -hmm. reminds me so much about the ways in which we talk a good game Mm -hmm. and that we, whether that is, if we want to like go down the religious leaders route, which is who is in this conversation here, um, people who preach and teach um, about kingdom, but don't live out the values of the kingdom. And certainly it would be really easy, I think, to say that's those religious leaders instead of honoring the fact that within all of us, there are both sons, that there are plenty of times that within myself, I know that I have not lived up to the values of my words, um, into my relationship with bringing the kingdom into this world, um, that I have said I was going to, but that the reality of it is that I have fallen short because I'm a frail human being. Um, good news is I get to try again every single day, whether I'm exhausted or not. But thinking about that fact, right, like that both of these sons in this parable, they live within each of us, that we are constantly in the position of deciding if we are going to do the right thing, even when it feels scary and hard, even Mm -hmm. if in our initial interaction we have said no, Mm -hmm. if we are going to get it together and go out and do the work. And or if it's physical labor that you aren't capable of doing, what is the way in which you can engage the work of the kingdom, right? Like, can you resource people? Can you help spread the message? What are all of the ways in which we can do the work of the kingdom? Because not all of it has to be physical. Or are we going to talk about it from post about it on social media, um, 
have a conversation with our friends over coffee or over drinks and then go home to our comfortable houses and set it aside and not do anything Mm -hmm. to live into what it means to bring the kingdom here Mm -hmm. for each human being, Mm -hmm. dignity and justice and kindness for everyone, Mm -hmm. right? Like I, I think that it's such a wrestling that happens in so many things. And so this morning, as I was doing my reading, I happened to come across this quote from Bell Hooks that kind of nudged at me, Uh made me a little uncomfortable. (laughs) Bell Hooks can do that to me sometimes. That comes from um, All About Love. And it's, I am often struck by the dangerous narcissism fostered by spiritual rhetoric that pays so much attention to individual self-improvement and so little to the practice of love within the context of community. And I think that that's really what it is, right? Like that in those moments when we think about ourselves, and it's hard to hold that word narcissism up to ourselves because none of us want to think of ourselves as being narcissistic. But if we think about it just from like being internally focused and focused on our own comfort um, and not looking out into the world and what it means to be a community of people, to be the beloved community, then that's the time when we have clearly chosen which of those two brothers we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm thinking similarly about to shift, to change your mind and to to pick up and do something even after you've said you're maybe not going to do it. Yeah, kind of picking up on that, on the a bit of the context, just thinking about like the power struggle that's that's going on here and how much of the the decisions that the, the chief priests and the elders, they, the way that they respond to Jesus, the way they just operate in the world is so impacted on their power mm. and the way that they are trying to maintain their power and the status quo. Because these are powerful people, you know, like probably, in, probably financially pretty powerful, probably and definitely socially powerful, and they've just got a lot of capital in this, in this world, you know. And they probably have some ties to the Roman Empire, and they're probably helping to uphold the the empire in some way, you know, to keep the people down for their own kind of financial gain. Um, but and so and so that is reflected in the way that they are just like truly stuck, and the stuckness really comes through in in this interaction with Jesus. So I love how it's how Jesus in this interaction is highlighting the ways that they're yearning for maintaining the status quo and maintaining their power keeps them stuck in ways of being that aren't working for the world or really for them because they're not actually doing the thing that they say they're doing. And you know, we don't know much about these about the chief priests and elders. They never were really named individually. They are human people, you know, mm-hmm. and probably became these kind of religious leaders for a reason that was beyond just their own power. Maybe it was always for their own power, but you would hope that like at some point they were called to this vocation to be religious leaders amongst their, this group of people. But where they are now is again, trying to hold on to their power by any means necessary. And as I said, Jesus is here messing up their power, like destabilizing their, their hold on their status. And so it's, it's beautiful because, like, Jesus asked them this question that they can only really answer if they're willing to say what they believe in, instead of saying what will help them maintain their power. Because there is no answer that they can give that will maintain their power completely. Because they're either going to say that John was making it all up and undermine their 
authority with the people, or they're going to say that it was that John was really truly inspired by God and then undermine their kind of religious authority because why wouldn't they believe John if it was from God? And so Jesus is poking at them, you know, trying to get them to make a choice, make a decision. And they're unwilling to do that. And so Jesus is highlighting the ways that, like, we become so stuck when all of our decision-making, when all of the ways we are thinking, when all of our beliefs and our perceptions of the world are informed by maintaining power, maintaining the status quo. Thinking about last week, the way that, that turn of phrase of, like, your, your, your eye is evil, if we remember the parable from last week about the, the laborers in the field coming and all getting paid the same amount, though they work different, way, different amounts of time, your way of perceiving the world is stuck. It's not the only thing that's informing your decision-making. And so later on, I think that Jesus is, is doubling down on this idea by telling a story first about a, these two sons, the first of whom says one thing and then changes their mind. And it doesn't say that the second son changed their mind, mm -hmm. which is interesting, which means that the second son always knew that they weren't going to go to the Ooh. field and said that they were, right? But the first son truly believed they were not going to go work. <laughs> and then something changed in them, and they did, right? And so, like, the, the chief priests and the elders, if they're the second son, they never, they are, they, they never meant to help anybody, you know, they give, they give lip service to God and to the community and to helping people and to the sacrifices and to the, this and that and the other thing. But it's always been about their own power. And Jesus is saying, but these, this other group of people, these prostitutes and tax collectors, they said they're not interested in relationship with God or whatever, but then they changed. Like their experience of life changed them. And so Jesus, it seems like in the end, Jesus's ultimate criticism, ultimate critique of the chief priests and the elders is that they're unwilling to think differently. They're unwilling to be changed. They're unwilling to have experienced John and change their mind about John because of what John was saying. They're unwilling to experience Jesus firsthand and change their mind about Jesus and what Jesus is saying because all they can think about is their own power. And so it just highlighting the ways that when, when we only think about power and we're only making decisions for our own power, we're just going to be stuck. And we cannot experience the kingdom of heaven in that way of seeing the world. And that's why I think at the end, it's, it's saying the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God before you. They are going to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth before you do, because they are willing to be open to new possibilities, new ideas, new ways of thinking. They're willing to, to believe something different today than they believed yesterday. That's super vulnerable to change your mind. But this is a group of people that are the most vulnerable group in the society. Like they're already there. So they have that capacity because they have suffered because their life experience has not made them glom onto some, some way of thinking that they can't let go of because they are free, mm -hmm. you know? And so this, it's interesting because there's so many ways in which the people with the most power are really the ones that are most bound. They are most stuck. They have no freedom to change because their whole existence, their whole way of being is about this kind of rigidity that gives them security. And this group of people that is the most vulnerable, they are, the, they are free. Therefore, they'll be living in the kingdom of heaven first. And it just makes me think so much about like 
like how stuck everything feels now, culturally. It feels so split amongst people who believe just different things. And especially at the higher up the power chain you go, the more powerful you are, the less willing you are to compromise, you know? And if you think about the people in decision-making positions in the country, in the world, like, doesn't it just feel like it's, it's as, as bad as it's ever been? Of like the total unwillingness to even think for a second that you could be wrong, like that you could believe something, you could change your mind from today to tomorrow and vote a different way and think a different way and support a different thing. Because it's so much about identity and identity and this kind of like tribal mentality is so much about power. And that's why it's stuck because the decisions are being made for maintaining power and not actually for openness to possibilities, openness to the ways in which things could be better and different and people could be helped and supported in different ways. So I think that's Jesus's hope for everyone is to really be open-minded, mm-hmm. to be free in your mind, to be freed of like the shackles of belief. It's okay to believe something different than you were taught. It's okay to believe something different than you believed yesterday. And in so many different realms of the world, whether that's like religious ideology or cultural ideology, it's really hard because it feels safer to never change what you believe, but it's actually keeping you stuck. Well, and I think that as you were talking, I was thinking about like how it feels like loss of power to admit you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And actually what that demonstrates is what it really is to be a leader Mm -hmm. is being able to say when you are wrong, when you have changed your mind, when you are willing to try and do it a new way. And so much of what power teaches us is that we have to be absolute in our knowledge, absolute in our way of doing things. And all that does is separate us from each other. And it is in those moments when we can embrace the vulnerability that Mm. you were talking about, when we can have our minds changed and when we can take accountability for doing it wrong, Mm -hmm. that we are really and truly living into what it means to be community. Yeah. 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 Very little separates us from the mystery of God more than certainty. Mm -hmm. And it's really painful to be separated in that way, but it feels safer. And in the end it's, it's worse. So those are our two points for today. If you were on the podcast with us, what would your third point have been? To recap those points for you, Charlotte was point number one, just thinking about the disconnect between our words and our actions, our invitation to change, even if we say we're not going to do something, to be able to be moved, to take part and take action in the world for justice, to, to walk the walk and, and do what we say we believe we're doing. And number two is mind, thinking about the ways that we get stuck and the ways that we're, when our only goal is to maintain power or status quo in some way, that Jesus's hope is that we can all be free, free in our minds, you know, to believe what, what we want to believe, you know, to believe something different than, than what we believed yesterday. So we would love to hear from you. Any of your questions, comments, or stories from your week of faith discussion and reflection, any of your points that you would have liked to highlight from the gospel reading today, any of your God sightings or raccoon sightings that you'd like to <laughs> share with same. us. Yes. <laughs> you can get in touch with us in a lot of different ways. They're all listed in the description for this episode of the podcast. Charlotte referenced the, the bell hooks all about love. So go and check that out. Maybe we can put a link in the description for that as well. We will be back next week to talk about Proper 22 in Year A. That'll be October 8th, 2023. And until then, we say goodbye. 
Goodbye, Goodbye everybody. everybody.